Hello again, friends. I'm Justin Kavanagh, and welcome to The Spice of the Autumn Night, a weekly podcast in which I read to you my unedited, unpolished, rough draft novel that I wrote for National Novel Writing Month in November 2018. Yes, I wrote a 50,000-word novel in 30 days, and it's amazing and outstanding. Just kidding. It's absolute bullshit. (laughs) But that's okay, because I am sharing it with you one ridiculous chapter at a time. This week, we are cracking into Chapter 8 of The Spice of the Autumn Night, in which Carolyn struggles to cope with her recent heartbreak and her rejection of her grandmother's ghost. But a showdown at the airport threatens to disinspice and not just Carolyn, but all four of our heroines. Chapter 8 The walk back from the jazz club to the guest house was even more painful for Carolyn than waiting alone for Jean-Pierre to arrive, because she was forced to listen to Curtis and Fanny talking happily about what a wonderful and happy match they were, and how grateful they were to have found each other, and how they would make a million billion dollars once they found a way to market Fanny's ice cube dispenser to the right investors. By the time they had arrived home, Carolyn was in the depths of a painful and all-consuming depression. Carolyn, Fanny, Curtis, and Marcy Marcy all rounded the corner into the street where the guest house was located, with Carolyn leading the downtrodden party's way home. As they approached the stately old home, Carolyn caught a glint of something reflecting in the street lamps on the pavement below. It was a flash of multicolored blue light, and then it was gone. Carolyn investigated, looking closer to determine what the mysterious blue flash could have been. It was then that she remembered her emotional outburst from the night before, and wondered what had actually become of the antique pendant that her grandmother had so lovingly bequeathed to her, which she had discarded out of her window in a fit of rage and despair. She found it, well, half of it, sitting on the pavement in a small puddle. Her heart felt as broken as the pendant, and she bent forward slowly to pick it up in her dainty, slightly wrinkled lady hands. She cradled the fragment of antique glass and watched the blue reflections dance across the insides of the cup she had formed with her palm. "'I am so sorry, Grandmother Fimbity,' Carolyn said, her voice cracked and hoarse with tears. "'I made a huge mistake last night when I rebuked you. I don't know why you didn't come to me when I asked you.' when I needed you most, but I never, never should have disowned you in the way I did. Carolyn's tears rolled off her face and landed in her hands, looking like shimmering and shining jewels as they rolled around the surface of the pendant. I wonder what happened to the other half, said Fanny. Who knows, said Carolyn, but this is now all I have left of my grandmother Fimbity. And I don't care that Theodora said she was a hopeless drunk and died a penniless nobody. And I don't care that the entire town called her a filthy whore or that everyone used to say that she would swim out to meet the troop ships. Carolyn lifted her head and was illuminated by the clear Kenyan moonlight. I have discovered a new way of looking at the universe, she said. 
and I am going to apply this new point of view to everything I do from this point forward. Carolyn went into the house, renewed in purpose, and even more determined than ever to find her spice, even if it meant getting it from somewhere else than Jean-Pierre. Later that night, as the darkness filled the guest house and the entire street was ensconced in a pleasant slumber, there was one small light burning inside the broom closet next to the well-appointed country kitchen. The antique wall-mounted phone was off the hook, and its long, swirly cord stretched across the room, through the door, and into the broom closet, where a still, small voice was speaking into the handset. Yes, said the voice, barely louder than a whisper. Everything is going just fine. In the darkness, the voice cut through the silence like a sharp Egyptian chef's knife through a block of handmade governor's cheese. She doesn't suspect a thing, said the voice. She's still on this Jean-Pierre kick. But after tonight, when he stood her up, so to speak, I don't know if she'll have much goodwill toward him in the future. No, the voice continued. It's not the right time yet, but soon... Soon everything will come crashing down, and Carolyn will have no choice but to go back home. The whisper turned into a slow, building cackle and took on a sinister, muffled quality as it filled the small broom closet with malevolence and evil-spiritedness. Whoever was acting against Carolyn was doing so with absolutely no regard for her happiness. Or her spice. The next morning, Carolyn awoke with the sun and enjoyed watching the giant orange star around which the earth completed its endless orbital journey as it rose slowly above the eastern horizon. Even she had to admit that she attempted to recover from last night's painful humiliation a little too quickly. Despite her commitment to her new way of looking at the universe, Carolyn struggled to get out of bed this morning and start her day. She was no longer super interested in trying to track down Jean-Pierre. So hurt was she by his lack of consideration and concern for her feelings. But she still felt the fires of passion that had ignited within her all those years ago. She was conflicted. Just as she couldn't write off Dirk, so also could she not bring herself to completely write off Jean-Pierre? At least I have my friends, Carolyn said aloud as she meditated upon the rising sun and the movement of the stars. My wonderful, trustworthy friends who would never even think to betray me or get in the way of my finally finding and living the spicy life I deserve. As she came down the stairs and entered the sun-filled kitchen, Carolyn was somewhat surprised to see Fanny, Theodora, and Marcy Marcy all congregated together, sharing in the breakfast preparation duties. "'What's all this?' she said, smirking. "'A cooking show?' The ladies all laughed for five minutes. "'Oh, no!' said Theodora. 
After last night, we decided we are going to get you cheered up by any means necessary. So we all got up early and got the ingredients for your favorite breakfast, said Fanny excitedly. You girls didn't go to all the trouble just so that you could make me... Carolyn's voice trailed off as she looked around the kitchen, hoping against hope that they weren't just jerking her chain. That's right, said Marcy Marcy. We all got together and made you some fresh fruit smoothies. You are the best friends I think I could have ever had, Carolyn said in her most gratitudinous voice. I don't think I ever had a group of ladies in my life who means as much to me as you all do. Well, that's not all, said Fanny. You know that Theodora's new friend Reginald happens to be a spice merchant and runs the third largest spice importing and exporting corporation in East Africa. Yeah, I know that, said Carolyn excitedly. Well, said Theodora, Reggie Ripples has to go to a spice conference in Mogadishu today, and he asked if we wanted to join him on his private jet. Private jet? said Marcy Marcy. That means unlimited peanuts. What do you say, Carolyn? said Fanny. How about you forget your problems for one day and let's get on a private jet to Mogadishu? I don't know, said Carolyn. I just kind of want to stay here and think about my life for a while. Besides, I think a day trip to Somalia is a bit more adventurous than I wanted to get during my time here. Oh, please, said Theodora. He invited all of us to come together, and he is going to be in spice meetings all day long. Let's go and enjoy a change of scenery. I hear they have really amazing coffee shops in Mogadishu, and we could even go shopping in some of their amazing upscale commercial centers. It can be just us ladies, said Fanny, except that Reginald will be there, and I also invited my cutie Curtis. And, said Marcy Marcy, free peanuts! Carolyn considered the offer to spend a day forgetting her troubles. Of course, it sounded like a nice time, and it would be pleasant to get out of Nairobi and everything that reminded her about what she was unable to make happen in her life. Plus, it might give her another change of scenery, which could help her pinpoint exactly where she needed to look to recover her missing spice. After all, If Jean-Pierre didn't have it, she needed to work quickly to find the man who did. Okay, ladies, Carolyn said. You have convinced me. Let's go get ready to spend a lovely day in Somalia, soaking up the sun and shopping until we drop. This episode of The Spice of the Autumn Night is brought to you by a generous donation from the Clemency Frinton Smith Memorial Spice Museum and Outreach Center. Since 1937, the SFS MSMOC has worked tirelessly to lobby and raise awareness for spice education, especially amongst at risk youth in America. Inspired by the life's work of Clemency Frinton Smith, who bravely gave her life rescuing the Burgundian Spice Calvary during the Siege of Noyce, the SFS MSMOC is out there every day in communities across this great nation getting spices to the people who need them. 
You can help the Clemency Frinton Smith Memorial Spice Museum and Outreach Center by pledging a monthly donation of as little as $16. Yes, for just 53 cents a day, you can help fund vital research into the global problem of spice scarcity. And as a thank you for your generosity, they will send you the Clemency Centennial Razzle Dazzle Basil Bedazzle Tassel Earring and Cuffling Set as your free gift. If you'd like to do more to help this outstanding organization, for a monthly pledge of $50, your name will be listed in the credits of the Outreach Center's upcoming documentary, Sacrispice, The Flavor of Inequality, which will be screened in IMAX and Chivin movie theaters nationwide this July. Or, for a monthly pledge of just $64.99, you can send six at-risk teenagers to the Outreach Center's annual To Everything There Is a Seasoning week-long summer camp held in beautiful and historic Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. The Clemency Frinton Smith Memorial Spice Museum and Outreach Center. Until bland is banned across the land. The airport was bustling with people, all of them eager to catch their flights and head to all four corners of the planet on the magical, winged creatures that modern science called fixed-wing jet aircraft. Theodora, Fanny, Marcy Marcy, and Carolyn all sat quietly in the departure lounge, sipping glasses of water flavored with cucumbers and strawberries. It felt good to be carefree, and thanks to Reginald Gooby of Gooby Spice Import and Export LLC, all four ladies, plus Fanny's new friend, Curtis Dute, were all anxiously awaiting the arrival of the private jet plane that would ferry them to the beautiful and cosmopolitan capital of Somalia, Mogadishu. Reginald, dressed smartly in a business suit that accentuated the doughy roundness of his middle-aged body, approached the four ladies in their seats with a concerned look on his face. Theodora, he said, I am afraid I have bad news. Oh, no, said Theodora. Don't tell me that this wonderful impromptu trip is cancelled before it even gets started. I am afraid so, said Reginald gravely. I just got the word that the Spice Conference has been cancelled at the last minute, and all of the international Spice representatives are going back home to their regional offices. But what could have happened that cancelled such an important and influential gathering of the movers and shakers in the East African spice industry? asked Theodora. I am afraid that there was some trouble in the nutmeg farms just outside Mogadishu, said Reginald. As a result, the free flow of nutmeg into and out of Somalia has ground to a halt. Reginald looked as though someone had just kneed him in the gut. We've never seen this much trouble come out of the Somali nutmeg farms before, he said. But once word got out to the nutmeg trouble, everyone decided that it was much too much of a risk to bring everyone there. Surely there is going to be a rescheduling of this conference, said Theodora. After all, they can't just cancel a major spice summit. There has been some talk about... Having an ad hoc meeting of just the council and committee chairpersons in Dar es Salaam next month, but nothing has been decided as of yet, said Reginald. Well, what are we going to do? 
said Theodora, trying not to let her disappointment show transparently in the tone of her voice. I suppose we will have to cut this trip short, said Reginald. Of course, I still have to go report back to my regional spice sales team, so I won't be able to join you on the ride back to your guest house. Theodora looked at Fanny, Curtis, Marcy, Marcy, and Carolyn, all of whom were until just a few minutes ago ready to enjoy all that Mogadishu had to offer. They all now sat quietly and crestfallen, their excitement extinguished due to oxygen deprivation. I'm sorry, everyone, said Theodora. I know we were all looking forward to the trip, especially Carolyn, so she could get her spice back. But I suppose we will just have to entertain ourselves some other way. It's okay, said Marcy Marcy. I managed to get some duty-free frozen meatballs, so I consider this trip a success. I suppose Curtis and I can enjoy each other's company, said Fanny, even if we're not taking the intellectual community of Somalia by storm. After all, it's not like our spice is something we need help with. Is it, Curtie Coo? Curtis scowled. With which we need help, he said in a barely concealed rage. What did you say, darling? said Fanny. You said something we need help with, said Curtis. What is your problem? Are you trying to piss me off? Fanny looked at Curtis, then at Carolyn and Theodora and Marcy Marcy. I don't understand, Lamykins, she said. What do you mean? You said, Curtis began, his voice rising with anger, something we need help with. You ended your sentence with a preposition, and I think you did it just to drive me insane. No, darling, of of course not, said Fanny. What would I do that for? Curtis clutched the sides of his head and bowled over in agony. You stupid, stupid woman, he bellowed. You're picking away at my brain like a vulture. Every moment with you is like feeling my intellect slip out of my body through my most unholy orifices. I literally feel as though you're making me stupid, like proximity to you can lower my intelligence quotient. My God, woman, no wonder your first husband got himself murdered at a block party. I'd stab myself 23 times just to avoid having to listen to your banal, blathering idiocy for another minute. Curtis stood up and grabbed his carry-on bag. I was hoping to go to Mogadishu with you today and disappear into some crowded marketplace or into some ancient ruins and let you think I had been murdered by street violence or in some kind of political insurgency. But now I don't get to do that. Now I just have to walk out of here with my head held high and know that the farther away from you I get, the safer my wonderful, brilliant brain will be. Curtis harumphed and took a few steps back toward the terminal. Then he turned around and shouted in a loud voice, loud enough for the entire airport to hear. Oh, and by the way, all you did was reinvent the ice tray, genius. Fanny was stunned. The last few days had been the best and happiest and most fulfilling of her entire life. 
and she had no idea that Curtis felt even a fraction of the feelings he had just verbalized. I am, Fanny began speechless, so sorry that you all had to witness that. I don't know what else to say. Carolyn stood up and put her arm around Fanny's narrow, bony shoulders. There, there, she said. Don't let it get you too upset. He was obviously a jerk, and he doesn't know what he's thinking to let someone like you slip through his fingers. Yeah, said Marcy, Marcy. You're way smarter than him. Look, said Theodora, I know this is extremely humiliating for you. But do you mind if we all pick up on this back at the guest house? I don't want everyone knowing that I'm with Reginald and I'm with you and all of this is in any way remotely connected to Gooby's Spice Company. Yeah, said Fanny, crestfallen. Let's go back to the guest house and try to put this whole thing behind us. Sounds like a plan, said Marcy Marcy. But before we do, I think there's something we need to address right here and now. Marcy Marcy raised her chunky, misshapen, garlic-sauce-covered pointer finger and indicated something going on several gates down. Well, said Theodora, I'll be damned. Without saying another word, Theodora got up from her seat and broke into a full-speed run down the terminal. The other three ladies followed not far behind. When they had all reached gate A-25, they were in for a shocking surprise. There was Reginald Gooby, chairman and CEO of Gooby Spice Importing and Exporting LLC, the third largest spice importing and exporting company in East Africa, standing pressed up against a young, tall blonde woman, whispering words into her ears and running his hands up and down her body. Reginald! shouted Theodora as she stumbled to keep her footing. What on earth do you think you're doing? The four ladies walked over to Reginald, who had kept up his lecherous performance with the other woman. So preoccupied was he in his new, firm, nubile conquest, he didn't even notice their approach until they were almost literally shoulder to shoulder in front of him. Oh, Theodora, he said. What are you doing here? I could ask you the same question said Theodora with disdain. Looking at the younger woman, she said, Reginald, what about your meeting with your regional spice managers? I didn't realize it was take your daughter to work day. Reginald heaved his middle-aged body up off the young woman and planted a long, slow, passionate tongue kiss on her mouth. After breaking the seconds-long kiss, he wiped his mouth with his jacket sleeve and turned to Theodora with a scowl. Look, lady, you breeze in here and we have a couple of nights of fun. Yeah, I didn't realize there were so many positions two people could have sex in, and I gotta say you are pretty good at most of them. But all this nonsense about leaving your husband and traveling around the world with me on my spice capades and spice peditions, that was ridiculous. I thought you loved me said Theodora. If you didn't love me, then how could you make love to me? Theodora, said Reginald, what we had was great, but 
It was just sex. Hot. Ass-thumping sex. You're just one of these older ladies who breeze into Nairobi, thinking that a couple of nights in bed with a spice merchant is going to solve all of your problems. Now I bet you will go back to your small-town USA and your boring husband, and you will spend the rest of your life thinking about how high we scale the heights of passion. And that will get you through the rest of your miserable life until you finally die and are buried next to your husband and spend an eternity remembering just how hot our ass-dumping sex really was. But in the meantime, continued Reginald, you are just another lady, and I've got tons of ladies in my life. I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Nairobi, ma'am. Reginald took his newfound mistress by the hand, and the two walked away from the gate and toward the orange Julius. Theodora stood dazed, dumbfounded, surrounded by her friends. I loved him, she said quietly. I told him things I have never told another man in my life. Don't let it upset you too much, said Fanny. After all, it's his loss that he couldn't appreciate what a catch you are. That's right, said Carolyn. I think we should all head back to the guest house and pour ourselves a few bottles of wine. It's time we enjoy an evening just the four of us, in the company of women and women only. Here, here, said Marcy Marcy, twirling her bag of frozen duty-free meatballs into the air with a flourish. And dinner is on me tonight! The wine flowed freely once the women had arrived back at their temporary Nairobi house. And once the first few glasses of wine were drunk, the conversation opened up to topics of all shape and size. Emotions ran high and tears were shed, but the four women were enjoying their feminine fellowship in a way they had never been able to do before. How could he do that to me? said Theodora, as she skewered two meatballs with an extra-long toothpick. I mean, he gave me all the spice I could ever have wanted, and then just snatched it away. How could he just snatch it? I don't know, said Fanny. I thought Curtis and I were such a perfect match, but he despised me. He thought I was stupid and couldn't even stand to be around me. Did you all hear what he said in the airport, girls? He was going to try and fake his death in a terrorist attack just to avoid having to spend one more second of his life with me. At least your guy eventually had the guts to dump you to your face, said Theodora. Mine thought he could just walk down four gates and find himself a brand new whore to sink his teeth into. Why do men do this to us? They think that they can just give us all the spice we need and then in the blink of an eye, they take it away. Look at us now, ladies. We're all spiceless and sad. Don't feel too bad about yourselves, said Carolyn. After all, I got stood up last night. The ultimate humiliation. Let's raise a glass, said Marcy Marcy to being alone and not needing anything even closely resembling the spiciness of a man. Here's to being alone and being spiceless women. 
The four ladies clinked their glasses, commiserating on the fact that the last 24 hours had not gone particularly well for any of them, at least not in the spice department. "'What about you, Marcy, Marcy?' said Carolyn. "'You're the only one who hasn't even tried to find a man since we got here. What is it that you know that we don't? How are you not in the least bit interested in the spice of the autumn night?' Marcy Marcy opened her mouth to reply, but her speech was rendered inaudible by the half-dozen defrosted, duty-free meatballs that she had shoved into her mouth. She took a second to spit half of them out into her palm, chew and swallow the remaining half, then refeed herself the serving from her palm. Once she had swallowed a second time, she answered, "'I am no good at anything related to autumn night spices.' I am here strictly for moral support. Trust me, ladies, as soon as you all get your spice and manage to hang on to it, I am on the first flight back home to Derby Falls and my loving husband, the Reverend Phil Futt. I envy you, Marcy Marcy, said Carolyn. You seem to have really grasped your happiness by the throat and clung on to it despite all the changes and disappointments in your life. What do you mean by that? said Marcy Marcy. I just mean that I wish I could have been satisfied in my life and not felt the need to go flying around the world looking for my spice, said Carolyn. Marcy Marcy mumbled a terse reply, but no one could decipher what she had said. What did you say? asked Fanny as she refilled her wine glass with a stiff 1978 Shiraz from the rich wine region of South Australia. Nothing, said Marcy Marcy. It's not important. Oh, no, interrupted Theodora. There are no secrets in the sisterhood of the Kenyan wine spices party. Theodora's admonition descended into relaxed laughter, signaling that she had had perhaps one or two glasses of wine too many. Come on, Carolyn said. Out with it. If you have something to say, I think we all deserve to hear it. Marcy Marcy scrunched her face up until it had shrunk by almost half and resembled a small, angry tree nut. I said, barked Marcy Marcy, that if you had just stayed in Nairobi the first time all those years ago, none of us would be in this situation at all, and then I might actually be content with my circumstances. What are you talking about? said Fanny. Almost 20 years ago, continued Marcy Marcy, back when we were all young and beautiful and had the world of options at our feet, I met a strong, handsome man at a car dealership named Dirk Cluey, and he helped me pick out a sensible yet sporty four-door with a tape deck and automatic door locks, and that began a summer of love and passion that I have never forgotten. And that is the end of The Spice of the Autumn Night, Chapter 8. Well, some secrets get revealed this week. I can't wait to find out what happens next. Just so you know, you can call into the podcast using the Anchor mobile app. So if you'd like to ask questions or have comments about the characters of the story, feel free to call in. I'd love to hear your voice or take your question. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter at Justin Cav. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-K-A-V. 
The Spice of the Autumn Night was written, produced, and presented by me, Justin Kavanagh. New episodes are released every weekend. If you enjoyed this episode of The Spice of the Autumn Night, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on every one of them. Thanks also to Jody Morgan for the lovely cover art. You can see more of her photographs at unsplash.com slash two lucky spoons. Thanks very much for listening, and I will see you all again next week for Chapter 9 of The Spice of the Autumn Night.